Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview. An exciting one for you today, our very first taste of badminton on the show. A sport that I love, a sport that I played for a little bit, uh, and a sport that I'm always fascinated about. And it's great to today be joined by Tokyo Olympian Simon Leung to learn about his journey, which led him to an Olympic appearance, and everything else about the sport of badminton. It's a fascinating chat, Simon, very sporty as a kid, played a myriad of different sports and uh, ultimately did pursue badminton. It led to multiple national representations before ultimately landing a spot on the Olympic team for Tokyo, a journey that was obviously uh, very hard fought, didn't even know he was going on a plane to Tokyo until mere weeks out from the game. So it's uh, fascinating to kind of hear about that story, learn a little bit more about the training of the sport, strategies and sort of partnerships and teamwork and all that kind of stuff too. So it's a great chat here that I know you're going to love. Here is our chat with Australian Olympic badminton player Simon Leon. Always exciting and off the podium when we can bring an athlete on from a sport that we have never covered before on this show. And today is one of those days. We are getting our first ever taste of badminton, a sport which I'm excited to talk about. I was just talking to our guest off air about me having the pleasure of watching this sport live back during the 2018 Commonwealth Games. My own badminton career didn't really take off after about a couple of months playing. And I think it was year 10 high school and Clearly, I'm here doing the interview and not being interviewed about my badminton career, but our guest has an esteemed badminton career today that we're going to learn about. Multiple Oceania Championships, multiply ranked number one in Australia with his uh, mixed doubles partner, Gronja Somerville, and just recently returned from his debut Olympic appearance at the Tokyo Olympics, and I'm so excited to learn more about that and everything else from his career. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Simon Leung. Simon, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me this morning. It's, uh, I, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I, as I was saying in the intro, always exciting to talk about a new sport. And, and badminton, I think you're actually our first racket sport athlete too. I don't think we've had anyone from tennis or any oh, really? of the other table tennis. So, you know, we're, we're ticking this off right now. And, and let's just get it over and done with right now. Badminton is the best racket sport, right? Number one. A hundred percent. Why would you not pick badminton as a racket sport if you had to choose a racket sport, right? Exactly. Fastest racket sport in the world, am I not mistaken? Right. So that kind of sells it in itself. Um, You know, you get to smack around a a birdie all the time. Uh, Why wouldn't you want to, why wouldn't you want to talk about that? But I'd love to learn sort of what, what got you into, to badminton kind of what got you started on this journey that ultimately led to an Olympic appearance. Um, So basically I started as a young kid and obviously uh, family played as well. So, I kind of started around probably the age of eight or nine years old. 
Um, and obviously back then it was kind of just a, let's go to like a local club and just, you know, just play when family goes and plays. And um, later down the track, I guess I kind of got hooked onto it and uh, I really enjoyed playing it. And I started doing a bit of training um, here and there. And then before I even knew, you know, I got to about probably six, 15, 16 and I was uh, really actually liking the sport and just, I guess, how quick it is and, you know, um, just how the sport, you know, is. Um, it's just so fast and the agility side of things is so, you know, you just need so much agility. So it was just a really nice sport, really fun. I guess I was with a fun group of people as well that I played um, badminton with. So that really helped. And um, yeah, I guess I kind of took on training a little bit more seriously, um, trained a couple of times a week regularly. Um, and yeah, I kind of slowly made my way into the national junior team by about the age of 16, mm-hmm. about 16. Um, yeah, and then I was uh, lucky enough to be around a very, very strong group of juniors who I guess really helped me be a better player myself. Um, obviously, it was very tough back then because of you know all these great players, but um, I was very lucky enough to get a chance at the very end of my junior career in 2014 um, to be able to play for Australia at the World Junior Championships in Malaysia, um, which was definitely a, a highlight career because, you know, being the World Junior Championship, it's probably the biggest, besides the Junior Olympics, it's probably the biggest um, comp out there for junior level. So I was very grateful to be a part of that um, Australian team. Um and yeah, so obviously after 2014, I went into my senior sort of career, moved my way into the senior national team and um, was quite fortunate and enough to, I guess, get chances to play for Australia um, at the World Championships um, multiple times now up until today. Um, I, think I, played in, I think I played in two World Champs, one in Switzerland and one in Scotland. Um and yeah and i guess the the whole i guess olympics thing was never like obviously i always wanted to guess play in the olympics as a kid you know there's there's always that thought of oh the olympics you know um but none of that was really i guess a serious thought to me um because obviously you know olympics is it's not easy to get to it requires a lot from an athlete to to be able to make it to the olympics and compete let alone trying to win a medal you know um and it probably got to about 20 2018 i think about 2018 or 2017 actually maybe 2017 um the national junior team oh sorry the national coach senior coaches and um gronya actually approached me that year while we were away um, on an australian trip in thailand for the world men's and women's um team championships um yeah, so during that trip, they obviously approached me to ask if I wanted to play mixed doubles again, um, as I was only playing men's doubles at that time. So, um, and I said I was, um, yeah, I was happy to play mixed doubles again. Um, you know, if if the chances were there and the opportunities were there for me to play again, I would. Um, and me and Grania, I guess, had a bit of a, a trial sort of period towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, it went well, obviously. 
Clearly, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, start of 2018, um, she decided to, um, you know, I guess play with me. So from then on, we basically had a bit of a, a talk about with the national team coaches, you know, what my goals were, um, you know, what I wanted to do, you know, in, in regards to mixed doubles. And I said, look, Olympics is obviously one thing that I wanted to be a part of, but, you know, it's not easy. Um, so, yeah, we kind of sat down, had a chat, and I guess uh, agreed that Olympics was one of our goals. And uh, we basically, in that year, I think about mid-2018 or maybe just before mid-2018, we we already had plans already to start traveling um, for tournaments around the world and um, trying to start that qualification period pretty early just to give us a little bit of a head start. And yeah, so we did qualifications for about two years. Um, and then obviously COVID hit pretty hard in 20, uh, 20, 20, end of 2019, 2020. Um, so that obviously was a bit of a challenge for us in regards to qualifications, but yeah, we were very lucky, obviously, still to um, qualify. And here we are now post-Olympics, after going to Olympics. Yeah, it's it's good. It was um, exciting to be at the Olympics. It was my first Olympics as well. So, um, yeah, it was very memorable for sure. And um, definitely something to remember, especially the journey of making it to the Olympics with COVID. I was going to say, it's that crazy. As well, so. Yeah, crazy sort of journey that, that led all to that i mean sort of growing up sort of with badminton were you were you a sporty kid were you sort of you know playing other sports at the same time as badminton is there another potential sport simon we could have seen you competing at the olympics uh, in? Things I don't know about potential sport i would <laughs> compete in um definitely not at the olympics um but you know i was always a, a very sporty sort of person um since a kid so um yeah throughout like high school and primary school you know i played soccer i played um I played TRL. I played TRL like the last couple of years as well, but obviously with Olympics, I stopped because I just couldn't commit to it. Um, I play, I actually played a bit of um, rugby league as well back in my primary school days as well. Um, yeah, and I just played a lot of touch footy as well um, in high school, you know, with my mates and stuff. So that w- they were probably, oh, I played a bit of basketball as well back then. So I guess you can say I was pretty sporty and stuff. Pretty sporty, yeah. yeah I guess I did athletics as well. So I did a lot of running, like all the track events and stuff. So I was pretty good at that as well. I can, uh, I guess I can run. Probably helps sometimes in badminton, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, sort of definitely kind helped. Of- definitely kind of going through it what was it particularly sort of as you were progressing through was it is it a case of you just enjoy playing the sport or all of a sudden you you start making a, a rep team you, you're working way at the ladder go, okay i'm pretty good at this i could progress i mean kind of was it a mixture of the both or was it just something particular that really kind of tickled your fancy through all those sports that ultimately led you to pursue badminton um i think um obviously the the enjoyment of playing the sport itself of you know just how fun it is um that obviously played a big part um but i think just um you know, during that junior sort of career when I was part of the national team um, and then making the junior world champion, uh, world junior championships, I think that was definitely uh, something that uh, really motivated me to, I guess, continue playing, wanted to do well as well. Because I was quite lucky that same year, I also won uh, the national junior championships. So I, I won that the same year as well. So it was um, very... It was a very a big achievement, I guess, for myself. 
and that um, really kind of motivated me to do well and do better and just continue to train hard and, you know, just give it a shot, you know, because I guess in a way, a lot of people back then did tell me that I had a bit of talent in me and everyone, there's a lot of people that kind of believed in me back then as a junior. So I think that, yeah, that was also a bit of a motivational sort of, you know, comment towards me, um, which kind of pushed me as well. And obviously going to seniors, um, you know, it, there wasn't much for me in that early senior sort of period, but I think I was already quite, you know, motivated to do, you know, try and do well and make, you know, senior teams, rep teams and, and that. Um, and obviously when I first made the first rep team, I think 2017, I think it was, um, obviously it was a, it was very memorable, you know, being my first senior rep team and being around the big boys, um, getting to compete with the big boys, you know, on a, in a rep sort of environment. Um, yeah, I think that really pushed me and I guess that's probably what held me together a fair bit and, you know, told me to keep on going and go for Olympics, you know, especially when the whole Olympics talks came up with Gronjo. Is there a moment as a player that all of a sudden you realise that maybe you're more suited to a doubles than a singles? I mean, I know sort of tennis kind of works that way a little bit where certain players will get to a point, okay, well, singles isn't going to work for me, but I'm a better doubles player. Is that a similar thing for badminton? And, and was that kind of a case of you just at one point go, okay, I'm going to stick to doubles, I'm going to stick to mixed doubles and, and maybe not focus so much on the singles? Um, yeah, so uh, before... As a junior, I was um, actually a singles player. Um, and I've always been, I guess, a singles player. I always trained singles and everything as a junior. Um, it was probably not until 2014 at the beginning of the year when the national juniors coach, um, Stuart, um, he approached me and um, he gave me a bit of a – this was during, I think, Oceania Junior Championships. Still remember – I still remember this talk very well because he came up to me while I was ordering food at the canteen. <laughs> and um, he he was asking me, you know, oh, you know, what are your plans? You know, what do you want to do? Like, are you looking like, do you want to be part of, you know, the World Junior Championships? You know, I was just like, yeah. Um, and it was asking me, you know, what my training is like, what I do at training. I'm like, oh, you know, I train a bit of singles, you know, that I normally do that, train singles and da 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 And um, yeah, and then the next minute he kind of approaches the convo in a, um, it was a very weird sort of way. And at that time I was a bit confused because um, he was like, okay, well uh, I reckon, you know, it wasn't exactly, you know, along these lines, but it was roughly, you know, this is roughly kind of what he said, well, you know, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, I reckon, um, you know, once you leave here, go home, I think you should just, you know, start training some doubles instead of singles, you know, because, um, hmm. you know, I think that might be quite useful, you know. Um, and then that pretty much ended the convo there. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was, it was very, you know, I don't cool know chat, what, you're gonna, I don't know what you're trying to do there, but that was a very <laughs> weird sort of convo, right? So I walked away and I told I told my mates, I was like, oh, I just had a very weird convo. He just said all this to me. I don't know what he's trying to say, but. I don't know. And everyone kind of said, oh, that's a hit. I'm pretty sure you made the world junior team now. I was wow. like, oh, nah, surely not. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and you know, next minute, you know, you know, a week or so later, I think I got an email saying, I, uh, I made the world junior team. So uh, it was a very weird way of telling me that I've made the team. But I guess that's another thing to, I guess, remember of, you know, so 
set you yeah, on a bit uh, of a different path then that I can imagine you're you're expecting, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was definitely not something. But I guess that year I did, you know, win the World Junior uh, Nationals in doubles as well. So I guess that played a big part of it as well. Um, but yeah, as a singles and doubles, I guess a lot of people start off with singles, you know, and um, it's probably later down the track where they, I guess, transition to doubles if they, I guess, either not like singles or they find that they're a bit better in doubles, um, they're more suited for doubles. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, we all kind of start off being a singles player and it's probably later down the track where you kind of know whether you're going to transition into a singles play. Uh, sorry, stay as a singles player or transition into you know, a, a doubles player, you know. Um, and I guess for me, 2014 was the year where I kind of transitioned to a doubles play. And since then, I haven't played singles or trained singles whatsoever. So wow. and I don't miss it whatsoever because it just requires too much of me. So Yeah. <laughs> Which is it a case then when you've got a coach saying something like that, are they watching your singles performance and watching, say, your future partner's performance? Go, okay, these two would work better together. Is it more of a, a chemistry thing that, like, it's it doesn't really matter how your ability is on the court. If you two get along, it works better? Or is it kind of a, a combination of the both when you are forming a doubles pair in mixed or, you know, same-gender doubles? Yeah. Um, I think, um, obviously, you know, the coaches will always, um, I guess, look at everyone and, I guess, see their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and obviously if, you know, they believe that that person is a bit, is more better to be in a doubles combination than than playing singles. Um, I guess they obviously will kind of start thinking already about, you know, who, who they could be, you know, working best with as a, as a partnership, um, who they'll kind of, you know, really bond and work well together. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, even after that, I guess they don't really decide from that purely from that, I guess, you know, they'll just start picking, you know, players out and be like, Hey, look, usually, you know, maybe think about playing doubles. Um, and then that's probably where they kind of have a rough idea of who may be their possible, you know, partners and stuff, but, you know, nothing's kind of, I guess, locked in or anything. Cause you know, they're still trying to find everything, find all the strengths and weaknesses, find like who works well with you. And, you know, you'll probably have to try it out with all the different pairings, you know, and really try out the combination, see whether it works well or not. Um, and yeah, and sometimes it's a quick process, you know, sometimes it's not, but I guess it's just trying to see what you have and what you don't have and what this other person has that will really help your game. So it's kind of like which two players can be put together sort of, and I guess help each other, and um, build on their game, but also make you as a combination, as a pair, like really strong and like to really work well together. Um, and it's it's not it's not easy, I think, trying to find the right pairings to be um, put together because, you know, you can be put together and you can either do really well or you're going to be completely trash and not do well whatsoever. So, um yeah, it's tough. And I guess for myself, you know, I guess with Gronja, um, obviously I've never played with her back then throughout juniors and whatnot. We've never played before. And um, we kind of only had that one or two matches together when we we're trialing and that was it. Um, and then we kind of basically gone into the whole qualification period as a very rough sort of starter pair, you know. Um, but we, we were very lucky, I think. 
um, we we worked really well and we somehow you know work as a pair fairly well we had things that we could help each other with um, and yeah I think we just in a way didn't really look like a scratch pair that was a very new scratch pair you know so it looked like you know we had a bit of training together you know and you know, we work together for a bit and build towards this tournament sort of thing. So that was very positive. And how is it then too when you put together and again, back to the sort of my question about the chemistry, I mean, yeah, it's all well and good to have that, the ability to play on a court, but do you then all of a sudden go, let's go grab a beer. Let's, you know, have a bit of a chat. What, what are you into? Like, cause I guess you've kind of got to have that communication level and kind of, you know, in a weird way, you're starting a, a relationship without the romantic side of things. But I mean, you, you obviously want to work together well as a pair on and off the course. You don't want to be leaving that court going, okay, I never want to talk to you again. See you, yeah. see you in bloody Paris. We won't say yeah. a word. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, obviously as a pair, you know, we've obviously get closer um, each time we play, each time we train, each time we see each other. Um, yeah. And obviously off court, you know, we, we always have chats and stuff. Um, you know, we go out, you know, we have meals, um, together, lunch, dinner, you know, when we're away, um, like we're off, like, say like tournaments and stuff, you know, we'll always kind of, I guess, go eat together sort of thing. So yeah, I guess that's sort of the bonding time that we have. Um, I guess also like out of tournaments, like when we get, when we finish and we've been knocked out already, have a bit of free time, I guess we'll go do a bit of sightseeing as well. And we'll do that together normally as well. So I guess, yeah, off court, when we're away, we do spend a bit of time together as well, um, which is really nice because, you know, obviously that kind of builds that chemistry where you kind of get to know each other a bit more. Um, and, yeah, it will really help, I guess, on court with our performance and everything. Outside of the obvious training aspects of just going on court and, and hitting the shuttlecock a thousand and one times every single week, I mean, kind of what are some of the key training aspects for badminton, you know, hitting the gym, you know, things along those lines. What, what are you working on as an athlete that say maybe is different to some of the other racket sports that say a tennis player or a table tennis player or a squash player would be working on? Yep. So like, um, yeah, we, we obviously have um, on court sessions where we obviously do technical stuff um, um, do, you know, more, like a bit of physical stuff as well on there on court. Um, yeah. So it's normally generally the week is, um, about five or six on-court sessions, um, you know, roughly about two hours each. Um, and then you've obviously got the gym side of things, the physical training side of things, so the gym. Um, and I would normally um, have about three sessions, uh, probably two two to three of actual gym sessions. And then um, the one or two sort of, I guess, running sort of session where I probably do sprints or something like that or like a bike session or something, just depending, I guess, um, what I need to do and whether I can do it. Like, you know, if I got injuries and obviously it'll be a bit of more strengthening, conditioning, eyes uh, in a conditioning sort of session. Um, yes, I guess it, it gets tailored to, I guess, how the body is feeling as well and everything. So, but yeah, generally it's about, you know, like I said, five or six on-court sessions a week and then you've got like two or three gyms and then, you know, one or two sort of running sessions. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty packed sort of week, you know, in regards to training and everything. Um, and obviously gym, gym is something I guess I hate as well. I guess I hate all the trainings, honestly. <laughs> I just hate it all. Which is, which is uh, natural. We all hate the training. Come on. Yeah. It's all about the competition. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I guess, 
I guess like as much as I hate it, you know, it's still it's still very enjoyable. I guess like especially if you're training with others as well. Um, yeah, it's still very enjoyable. Um, like even like especially gym, like I've always hated gym because back then I had early morning gym sessions at like six thirty. So wow. And yeah, I'm no, not a morning you. person whatsoever. So that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we managed to get you up for this one. I'm glad. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I know. Um, I guess. I guess it was. Um, it was a bit easier because you know, obviously, I had I had my doubles partner there as well, um, and obviously, we push it push each other a fair bit as well. So I guess that that's really helpful, um, and it's enjoyable. Like at the end of the day, it is enjoyable after a good gym session, it is quite enjoyable and it's very um, satisfying. Which I can imagine though, when you're standing on that court at the Olympic games and you're oh, surrounded yeah. by, you've seen you the rings back. and you've got yeah, the Australian colors on, it's like, yeah, maybe worth it. Yeah, it's all worth it. No, hundred percent. No regrets of doing 6.30 a.m. starts. No <laughs> regrets whatsoever. I love Which I, I read that you, at some points in your career, sort of through badminton, university work i mean you were you were pulling 80 hour weeks basically with about three hours sleep so i mean it's kind of it's always what what i I love hearing from our guests is kind of that journey because yeah we're gonna tune in and and watch you play a couple of games at the olympics but i mean it's it's far more than that isn't it for you to even get to those olympics it's those 80 hour weeks where you're you're trying to fund your way across the world to to play a sport that obviously is not going to get the same amount of funding and attention as say as ariane titmus is going to get in swimming right yeah, no, it's um yeah, it's been tough. Um yeah, it's been uh obviously, you know, with the not so much sort of funding here in, in Australia for badminton. Um it's a lot of it is rely on myself um to work and get that sort of funding for it. And I guess I've always I've been working two jobs as well. Um one job I work at my uni at Griffith Sports um, in the events department, and I do a lot of events work and stuff with them. Um, and then the other work, um, I work in the nightclubs as a secchi. So I was going to ask about this. I uh, I was like, like, what's it like being a security guard nowadays? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I remember going back to the clubs and kind of some you'd have fun with, some were just absolute dickheads. Let's be honest. Um, uh, I mean, is there a balance you've got to achieve? <laughs> uh, let's just say from a security perspective, it's very different to what it was back then. Like, right. like, you know, like years ago, you know, like where back then Sekis was a bit more, I guess, <clears throat> very hands-on sort of like, you know, aggressive sort of like, you know, behavior that you can kind of feel from them. Um, now a lot of it is purely off like customer service and stuff, um, which obviously doesn't really happen when, you know, things don't go your way and you know, things kind of go south. But um, no, it's um, it's nice. It's, I, feel uh, like, I feel like I need to grab a pair of shoes behind me and just double check, like, are these shoes okay? Are you not going to give me that excuse of you don't like the look of me, so oh, your no. shoes are not capable no, of no, being no. in this club? I think it's, it's a lot more chill now. <laughs> it's a lot more chill now, I think, uh, when you go out clubbing. Um, I think, yeah, obviously, like, there are some clubs where they've got, like, dress codes and this and mm. that, you know. Um, but I think most clubs are pretty chill about it. Like as long as you don't look ridiculous, like really bad, really trashy, you know, they're going to let you in, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think it's a bit different now compared to what it was back then. Um, even for myself, I feel like 
since well, obviously I've worked in it. I've been in the second industry for 20, since 2018. Wow. So it's been like what, four years now. And <clears throat> I guess working there now and thinking back to when I um, went out myself, you know, it's, it's, it's already so different, you know, things are already different and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot it's better just- now. Let's just say that. It's just it's just so fascinating though, Simon, to kind of hear about this journey because as we often say on this show, it's all well and good for people to look at you and go, you're an Olympian, you're, you're a professional athlete, you know, clearly you're doing well for yourself and all sort of stuff. But I'm sure next time anybody goes to a nightclub and, and sees a security guard, they're not going to automatically look at a security and go, well, they're training to be an Olympian, you know, or they are an Olympian, you know, yeah. when you go back to work. It's just, it's kind of fascinating, particularly in a sport like badminton, which sadly kind of in Australia has only ever watched during Olympics, during a Commonwealth Games, it's not something that's ever really focused on. So it's just, it's always that journey. It's just, it's just so fascinating to kind of hear just how it, how it is for you to get to an Olympic Games. Yeah, no, actually speaking of that, you know, it's a, it's a, a bit of a funny story, but I guess of a, and also very grateful thing that obviously I'm very grateful of. Um, yeah, so obviously uh, I work in a nightclub and, one of my, my, my supervisor who works there, he actually one day messaged me saying, oh, I've actually asked work to see if I can um, stream your match at work. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> not a single chance. There's no way. Um, and they're like, no, no, I actually asked her. I'm just waiting to hear back. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. It's not going to happen because why would they, right? And I remember this was my second match against the Japanese pair on that Sunday. Um, obviously, I had my phone turned off when I uh, went and played the Japs. Um, and once I finished and came off court, I turned my phone back on. And as it was already from the first game, you know, my phone was blowing up with notifications, just blowing up with messages from everyone, um, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, just WhatsApp, just everywhere, you know. And uh, obviously I checked Instagram and there was a couple, obviously there was my supervisor and there was a couple of other staff members that work there as well. They were all like, you know, tagging me in Instagram stories. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why? Like, it's so weird, right? And obviously I, I clicked on it and I looked at it and then next minute, you know, work actually screened my match at wow. work. I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like that first, like the first feeling, the emotion I had was like, Honestly, it hit me so hard. It was like, I was actually very, very happy. And like I had no words because I just never expected, I guess, work to do that for me. Mm. And um, yeah, I was um, obviously very happy. And Loki was trying to hold in a tear because I was that happy that, you know, work did that for me, you know. Um, and yeah, obviously I said thank you to everyone because um, there was a lot of stories of them posting at work and everything, you know. They, the um, One of the DJs was actually on the mic, you know, giving shout outs and, you know, shout outs to me being at the Olympics and everything, you know, <laughs> talking a bit of banter and at the same time about the other guys, you know, not being pretty useless and, you know, <laughs> they're just here being a normal dumb Seki, whereas there's me who's, you know, the more talented, more skillful Seki, you know, who's nice. um, at the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, so the first time been, probably that badminton has ever been shown at a nightclub, surely. No, no I would never have thought about that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so obviously now 
all the regulars there that go, you know, to, to where I work, they've all seen me. And then uh, I thought, honestly, oh, that's going to end there. You know, it's a one night thing, you know, no one's going to remember me. No one's going to know who <laughs> I am. Nah, not a chance. Um, obviously, and then they came back to work and um, I came back that first weekend, I got out of hotel quarantine and random people like oh, not random but i guess some of the regulars that know me like oh hey man welcome back oh my god you know i saw you on tv like we watched you here and then i'm like oh yeah yeah like no thank you thank you no very grateful thank you thanks for watching thanks for the support you know all that sort of stuff and then you start having you know obviously staff members will say that to you, you know so they're very happy to see you again I'm always, i was very happy to see them again um and you thought oh maybe it's the first weekend you know like you know fresh coming back sort of you know feels and environment I've been back for like five weeks now, probably <laughs> about five, six weeks now. Till this day, I'm still getting random people walk up to me, right? And what's worse is they know my name, but wow. I have no clue who the hell these guys are. <laughs> I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, who the F are you? Like, I know who you are, but you're saying my name and saying, dude, good job, man. You at the Olympics. How was it? Like, I watched you here. I was like, it was very good it was amazing i had a lot of fun thank you but in my mind i'm like i have no idea who the hell you are but <laughs> kind of weird you know my name but i have no clue who the hell you are but you're a celebrity now simon come on <laughs> well it seems like it seems like i'm a bit of a celebrity you know at work you know i'm well, quite you take it take it come on i mean are you the most famous badminton player now in australia i mean i don't uh, know i don't know like- oh, um <laughs> <laughs> I guess no, definitely not. I think Gronya's are a fair a fair way ahead of me at the moment. So <laughs> I think I'm not even gonna try to get get close to her, you know. Um, but I guess no, I, it's not. I don't know. In a way, I'm not really that sort of person, anyways. I guess like I've never really been the type that I guess I guess enjoys the spotlight. Like obviously, I've never like always create like really wants to be in the spotlight you know but obviously with olympics things kind of changed a fair bit you know um and yeah i guess you get a little bit more spotlight after olympics since you know you're an olympian so now nah, always good. always an olympian of course it yeah. always kind of you've That's got those say, three little letters before. that kind of uh stick after your name i mean on that journey sort of i believe you didn't really get name to the team what until essentially what a month before the game like it was very close wasn't it i mean kind of what was that period like and then right up to that selection because i always find it interesting these sports where you know some some athletes can qualify 12 months for an olympic you know you're there whereas you it's weeks away i mean what's that period like knowing not knowing and then finally finding out yeah it was uh it was very stressful actually um obviously there was a little thoughts going through my mind um, but, um, you know, back then when we were kind of looking at, you know, where our ranking was, um, compared to where the Kiwis were with their ranking, you know, we were still ahead. Um, so we were the, um, the obvious qualifiers for the Oceana spot. So in a way, I guess we were, we knew that we were going to qualify, but it wasn't official yet. Um, but I think at the same time was obviously anything could happen, you know? You know, since it wasn't official, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? Something might happen and bam, the Kiwis qualify and we don't. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a wait. Um, and I don't think they announced it officially. Um, probably 
Yeah, probably three, four weeks prior to us leaving. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was obviously a period where I was uh, very nervous. Um, always like I kept telling, you know, I tell everyone, ah, I'm not nervous about it. And I'm not thinking about it really. But, you know, deep down, um, yeah, it was always on my on the back of my mind, I guess. Um, you know, whether I was going to qualify or not qualify, you know, especially, you know, spending all that money, all that time and putting all that effort into it, you know, like the last thing you want is to not qualify for it. So, um, yeah, it's it was a very nerve wracking sort of period. But obviously once um, we got the uh, the OK from the Australian Olympic Committee, you know, when we saw that email, when we saw that announcement on Facebook and everything, you know, it was it was the biggest, you know, relief ever you know um and yeah it was so big that you know obviously before i could even tell family you know some of family and friends you know they were already telling me that oh my god congratulations you know sort of thing so um yeah it was definitely a very a very special a very special moment very special day you know that i'll always remember is you know when it was announced that you know i was actually going to be heading to tokyo olympics so yeah, we'll always remember that day. I always love finding out sort of outside of the competition side of things, it's kind of just those, what you're mentioning about being named to the team, but the other experiences that you have, you know, everything from village life to if you do a ceremony, kind of pin trading, things like that, even the little things of here's your uniform, here's your, you know, this is what you're going to be wearing, all that kind of stuff. I mean, kind of, do you soak all that in, Simon? I mean, are you so switched on the competition that you kind of can't focus on that or is it kind of a bit of a balance between the two? Um, I think, uh, like, leading up to it, obviously, when I knew that I was going, you know, I wasn't, it, it didn't really hit me still. Um, so, obviously, so there wasn't, I guess, a very big sort of adrenaline rush in me, like, you know, being very excited and stuff. Um, and I think it probably got to the day that I guess we were flying off, you know, from Brizzy airport to Cairns and then to Cairns to Tokyo. And I was where it kind of slowly hit me, you know, that, you know, dude, you're going to the Olympics, man. Like get excited, man. Like what the hell, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it was probably then when it kind of slowly got to me that, you know, I was gone, but even then it wasn't, it wasn't something, you know, overly big. Um, that I was feeling, you know, um, in saying that I did have the privilege to fly business class on wow. the way to Tokyo. So fancy. Uh, I got the lucky, uh, I was the lucky one out of the four of us. I'll say uh, you didn't all get it. It wasn't just a Qantas perk. It was only like we badminton yeah, can only so, have one spot in business. Yeah. Class. So the whole business <laughs> thing, um, it depends how many athletes you have in your team, right. which will determine sort of how many seats you, you get allocated. So obviously there was only like four or five of us. So we only got the one and, I was uh, very lucky to uh, to have gotten the right pick choice of car that we kind of drew out. Uh, I was going to say, how does that happen? So, yeah, so I, was very, okay. I was very lucky. Um, so I got to enjoy, you know, over, you know, over over like about twelve hours of flying, you know, in business class. Um, but yeah, like I think that was where it kind of soaked up a lot. You know, we got to Cairns, we um, got off the plane. There was a bit of media stuff out on the tarmac. You know, a lot of media. Um, you got the rest of the Aussie crew coming through as well. So I think that kind of really hit in as well. That hit a little bit more um, knowing that, you know, oh, my God, we're in like, you know, our travel gear, you know, our Olympic travel gear, you know, got media at the airport, like on the tarmac, you know, like what the hell, like, you know, I've never experienced this sort of thing before. So, 
uh, yeah, it, it was very good. And then obviously when once we got to Tokyo, um, you know, everything kind of slowly started coming through and my, my body started feeling it, you know, um, the excitement started coming through. Um, yeah. And even then it was kind of not overly too big of an excitement. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, um, it was, yeah, it Business was weird. Like, yeah. It just felt like I was away for a no- normal tournament, you know, honestly. Um, but it probably really hit me once I got to opening ceremony night. When we got into our uniform, we went out and did our walk around the stadium. Obviously, with no spectators, it was very different, but just the the atmosphere and the feeling of walking out with the whole, you know, with other Australian athletes, with other athletes around the world, you know, and walking around that stadium for an opening ceremony was just surreal, you know, like not everyone gets a chance to do something with that, you know, and I think that really hit me. Um, I was very excited. Um, I was recording on my phone as well. And obviously all my family and friends back and back at home, you know, and everyone was watching and they're like, dude, we saw you for like a second, but your bloody hand was in the way in your face, man. I'm looking into your face. Like it was just in your face. Like what the hell am I? I'm sorry. I was, I was trying to record myself, you know, trying to soak up the time, you know, everything there and trying to record it. But that was my two minute of fame on live television, you know, so. It worked. uh, which I'm actually fascinated about that because the opening ceremony, if I'm not mistaken, was the night before your first match. And often we yeah, speak well, to our guests who they don't go to the opening ceremony if they're competing the next day. And I've always been a person as an armchair critic, like, screw it, I'm doing the opening ceremony. I don't care what you say if I'm competing at six in the morning. This is an experience. I mean, was that down to you guys? Was it a, as a choice as an athlete or kind of was it a, hey, represent badminton? I mean, kind of what brings about that choice considering your first match is the next morning? Yeah, so um, all the badminton guys um, were allowed to go because it was a very small team. Um, and obviously, I was um, still contemplating about whether I was going to go or not, obviously, because um, I think my memory, my match on that Saturday morning was like 10.30, 11, I think about 11 o'clock sort of match, or 11, like somewhere, somewhere around there, just before midday. Um, and obviously, you know, the bus ride to the stadium was like an hour drive, um, you know, so which means I had to get up pretty early, like a seven o'clock sort of start, get up, you know, get breakfast, um, go see um massage and then, you know, make my way to the stadium, you know. So obviously it was a very early start and I was I knew that was gonna be a late finish as well, you know. Even if we didn't stay to the end, it was still gonna be a late finish. I didn't wanna to be too tired, you know, obviously being my first game, it was always gonna to be tough. Um and in the end, the, I got convinced to go, you know, um, you know, being like my first Olympics, you know, like my first Olympics. So I think I thought, oh, it's something special, you know. I'm probably not going to be gone. I may or may not be going to the next Olympics in Paris. So this could be my only chance, my only opportunity to, I guess, be at an Olympic opening ceremony, you know. Yeah. Um, so in the end, I decided to go. And I think another reason that made me go was, knowing that there was early buses coming back to the village, you know? So once everyone came through, you know, there were buses that were going to take us straight away back to the the village. And I think that was another factor that kind of got me in. Um, Which is exciting too, because you also ultimately with how COVID works, you weren't allowed to stay for the closing. So it's kind of like, you know, you might've, if a normal Olympics were on, you could have been like, okay, well, at least do the closing. Whereas obviously you didn't really have that choice. Did you? Yeah, no, we didn't No, So I think that was, yeah. It was very special. It was a very special moment um, and memory for me to, um, I guess, be be there at the um, opening ceremony. 
in terms of the competition itself, obviously I can imagine that every athlete goes into an Olympics and says, I want to win a gold medal. You know, of course you do. You're, you're, you're athletes here at the top of your game. But, you know, did you and Gronje sort of once you were drawn in the group that you were, I mean, was it a case of get out of the group, we can do this, kind of like what were sort of the, the targets that you set yourself going into the competition? Um, yeah, so obviously um, when the, the the draw was done, um, we knew we had a very tough group, you know, played against the Indonesians, you know, the world number four. Um, you got the Japanese pair who was in world number five as well. And you got the Danish pair who's, um, I think, 20-something in the world. Um, and, you know, at the top, the world number four and five pair, you know, they're the bloody good, they're a bloody good pair, you know. Um, Took a set okay. off them, if you don't mind, though. Oh, so you yeah. started off all right. But, um, that was definitely... <laughs> uh, Something that we didn't see and expect to happen is to take a set off the Indonesians. Um, yeah, and obviously we, um, I guess, obviously we want to get out of the group and make the quarterfinals. You know, it was always, it was always one of our goals to to make it out of the group and make quarterfinals. Um, but we knew it was going to be a tough. We knew it was going to be very tough. Um, so I guess um, you know our, our goal and to go out there was really to just to just play. And um, try and do our very best, you know. And obviously, I'm sure you would have seen some of the results, you know. Um, that first set, you know, we were, we were down the whole way. We were down 2014 in the end. And then somehow a bit of magic and um, a bit of, you know, smarter decision makings, you know. And I guess we kind of played a bit better. You know, we came back and won 22-20 in that first set. And, you know, it... I still remember the moment that happened, you know, me and Gronya were laughing afterwards. We were smiling, like, what the hell is happening? Like, we were so surprised and shocked, you know, that, you know, like, how the hell did we come back? Because, you know, at a level that we're playing there, you know, there's, there's not a chance for that to ever happen, you know, when you're 2014 up to lose 22-20, you know. It's it's not going to happen. It's almost a mission impossible sort of thing. But uh, we did it, so we're very happy. And I think going to that second set, we obviously had a lot of – um we were very, very excited for that second set. You know, we um, were very ready to play that second set, you know, after taking that first set. Um, we knew that we could do it, I think, especially coming back from that first set. And it did show, you know, as, as that second set progressed, we were leading the whole way. We were, were always the lead, leading um, pair in the whole set until we got to about 17, 14, Exactly the same thing that happened in the first set, you know, we kind of went down and we lost 21-17, um, which was very um, disappointing, you know, because, you know, we're playing so well in that second set. We're playing so well. Um, and to lose that second set after being one set down was, you know, obviously very disappointing, you know. And for myself, I was, um, yeah, I was a bit nervous, obviously, you know, being one set up, you know, like, it's not easy to do it against the Indonesian pair. You know, one set up, leading, winning 17-14. You're four points away in your opening match of the Olympics on debut to win against the world number four, who's mm. won crazy amount of, you know, big tournaments and stuff, you know. So it was very overwhelming at that point when I was playing. And I think that obviously got a little bit to me. And, um, yeah, that's obviously affected me in how I played in that second set. And in the end, you know, we lost that third set. Um, but, you know, overall, it was a great experience, you know. It it was tough. And uh, would I would I ever say that the opening ceremony played a part of it since I was out late? Honestly, I'm not going to put anything on the opening ceremony, you know, because 
I think overall we played pretty well, you know, and things happen, I guess, at the end of the day, you know, these guys are top pair, you know, it's it's learning. It's learning curve at the end of the day, you know. It's, it's you part took a of set it. off them at the Olympic Games, though. It's you can not take away from that, yeah. can you? Like, you, you it's, can part say of, that. it's part of the experience. So um, would I ever change it and not go to the opening ceremony if I had to relive that moment? No. I'll definitely I think, I think it comes down to that that level of, if you're playing Roger Federer and you take a set of Roger Federer, you're always going to say, you know, I may have gotten beaten six love, six love, six love in the next three sets, but I still took a set off him. So, you know, like it's kind of, you're always going to have that thing that you took a set off, you know, this great pairing at the Olympic yeah. Games. And I'm saying it now, I think the opening ceremony helped. You came out straight away, boom, take the first set. It's not like you won the second set. You won the first straight away. Yeah. So uh, that helped. Come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It was definitely something like, I, I'll always remember this and I still bring it up to, to like today with people, you know. Like all my friends and family were watching, you know, they're all screaming at the TV, you know, <laughs> they were just like, oh my God, he's like, you know, once it up, there's like four points away from winning, like, ah, oh, come on, you know, sort of thing. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's disappointing, you know, like to not be able to take out that match, you know, because it definitely would have been not only an upset, but it would definitely be the biggest upset probably at the Olympics. Um, beside that, it's probably going to be a bit of a talk around, you know, world of badminton you know for a while i know um yeah but it's no it's it's still a big thing till today you know and it's still in the talks here and there my call the resume you know, still give me a bit of banter about it they're still giving yeah. me a crap about why'd you lose that second set <laughs> well, useless diamond like if you train harder and uh, actually be serious about what you do you might actually win I'm like, okay all right, thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks, Thanks for the for coaching that. tips. Very, very positive. But <laughs> well, the one moment that obviously went a little bit viral uh, against the Japanese pair and the eventual bronze medalist was uh, midway through that second set when Gronya's racket breaks and she basically changes halfway through a, a, a point and grabs it and you still win the point. Uh, I yeah. mean, is that is that a common badminton thing that often happens or is this just kind of the uniqueness of Gronje and she's that skilled, she can go halfway through, change a racket and still win the point? Oh, I wouldn't give her that much credit, okay? I wouldn't <laughs> give her that much credit. Um, I'll keep the credit to myself on this one. Uh, but no, um, yeah, it's it's a pretty normal thing um, in badminton. Like, obviously, you break strings a lot, um, you know, because we string it at such high tensions, you know, so... Like on the side where our bags are, you know, we'll always have like one or two rackets there ready for situations like this, you know, where we, you know, break strings or break rackets, you know. And obviously for Gronja, um, it was actually her racket that that broke, her frame actually snapped. Um, and obviously I, I didn't I had no clue that happened whatsoever. Um, probably until like, I don't know if you watched that rally itself or not, mm. but um I didn't realize it until she hit that that clear from the back court. Um, that's when I kind of heard, oh, that, that sounds a bit weird, you know, like it doesn't sound right. Um, something's not right. And that's when I knew, uh, I should thought she broke her strings, honestly. So when she had the chance to kind of move up straight away and hit like a block or a push, I literally told her just to run. I'm pretty sure you could hear me just yell out, run, run, run. Um, and yeah, off she went, you know, and she came back in the new rack and I was just playing a bit of singles, reliving my little junior, my junior days where <laughs> I was very fit. I was very fit as a singles player. I'm um, doing very well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I held, held the rally, held it together until she came back. And 
we were lucky enough to win it, you know. And I was very lucky because I remember that that last shot I hit, it was not the greatest shot whatsoever, that drop shot. I probably should have died on that and got killed, but <laughs> you didn't. And you yeah, didn't. We so it was uh it was a good turnout. Um and obviously it got us a bit viral here back in Australia. You got on Channel Seven that night. They wanted to interview, they wanted to talk yeah. badminton. It was great. Look at this, Channel Seven realized that the sport exists. Go Channel Seven. <laughs> yeah, I know. When um uh, when Grunya told me that, you know, oh hey man, tonight, ten thirty, we're going on channel seven, we've got an interview on channel seven tonight. I was like, What? I was like, <laughs> is it literally about the rackets? So he goes, Yeah, we've somehow gone a bit viral about that. I'm like Wow. I mean, I always wanted to go viral, but I never knew it was, you know. And was that was that was that on Shinya? Was that Andrew yeah, Gaze it was and Eddie Ma? Yeah, so it you're was getting interviewed Shinya, by yeah. that's pretty cool. Like there's Andrew Gaze yeah. having a chat with you. That's yeah, that's pretty special. No, it was it was lovely, like because I'm pretty sure that's um that probably yeah, because I haven't done many of those live and it's probably that's probably my first proper, you know, live like channel seven sort of like you know live interview so it was very um exciting um obviously i was very nervous as well you know um but no it was great um i was yeah it was it was great a lot of actually a lot of my mates that i work with and all that actually saw me on um on channel seven on shinya that night actually because i got messages saying oh I saw this guy on TV. He looked a bit like you. And I look look closer. I'm like, oh, it is you. I'm like, oh, what a coincidence. You get to see me on TV on an interview on Channel 7. How lovely. I, so I do like the fact though. I kind of see this as almost like a, a video game. Like you could use this as a strategy that like, yeah, you can say it broke, but it's kind of like a power-up, right, when you pick up something in a video game. So Gronje's just secretly going, oh, power-up, grabs yeah. a power racket and boom, wins the point. I mean, I don't know. Is there a secret strategy here in badminton that we're just unaware of? Uh, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> I mean, at least not that I'm aware of, I guess. Um, if there is, if you know any, just uh, please do. Hey, could be discovering it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll definitely like to know, you know. I mean, yeah, for sure. Help, any helpers on court would... Uh, would be appreciated, you know. So. Which it must – any sort of publicity that the sport can get is obviously fantastic because, as you were saying before, like mainly self-funded. This isn't a sport, obviously, that Australians are tuning into all the time. So even if it's a small little viral moment, people are watching you. You've got your mates texting you. But, I mean, there might be a, a kid out there watching it going, hey, this sport's pretty cool. I'm going to give it a try. I mean, anything really to get some publicity for the sport must be great. Yeah, no, um, yeah, it's obviously good. And um, obviously, badminton's not an overly big sport compared to other sports here in Australia, like swimming, basketball, you know, um, soccer, you know, that sort of stuff. So um, I guess being able to go to the Olympics and um, I guess even with the whole racket swap going viral, you know, back in Australia, you know, um, you know, we really hope that that alone kind of helps, I guess, with with a bit of um, just, I guess, putting badminton out there, you know, just putting up out there on the maps, you know, for young kids, you know, um, young adults, you know, just anyone to really, I guess, know and hear and see about the sport of badminton. And uh, hopefully that kind of gets them excited and, you know, oh, it can be really fun, you know. These guys are doing, you know, all these running off courts. Like, why is there one person missing on court sort of stuff? You no, know? so hopefully that shows them a bit of excitement, a bit of fun that that can be part of the game as well, rather than like a very, I guess, serious sort of sport. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a fun sport, and you know, we just want everyone to have fun when they play. You know, so no, we we're all hoping that 
I guess our our um, appearance at the Olympics, you know, has um, helped with I guess um, the publicity here in Australia with badminton. You know, hopefully that's put out on the map there, and a lot more people are aware of it and um, are now interested and actually want to give badminton a go, even if it's just for fun. You know, like it's still good. You know, it means that you know we're doing something right here. You know. We're doing something right to get participation numbers up, you know. And at the end of the day, you know, that helps the sport itself. You know, it's probably going to help myself and help younger athletes, elite athletes who, who are coming through the system and, you know, want to be at the Olympics, you know, later down the track. So I guess it doesn't just help me, but it also helps the public, you know, just people playing the sport, but also help my, like, fellow juniors and stuff, you know. Cause- Which is such a fun sport to watch. I mean, I was telling you off air and as I said in the intro, it was one of the sports I was lucky enough to watch at the Commonwealth Games. You know, I had a day off from work and it's like, hey, what am I going to go watch? And got yeah. tickets to the hockey and then badminton that night. And just it was just fun. It's just such a fun sport to watch live. And, and the crowd was, was really into it. And, I mean, obviously, you know, we're lucky in Australia that whenever we have a multi-sport event like a Commonwealth Games, we, we get behind everything. But I think this bodes well for Brisbane in 2032, literally your home Olympics because you're from yeah. Brisbane. So, I mean, I'm seeing this now, sell-out crowds for, for badminton 2032. You're, you're going to be a, a you know two-time Olympic gold medalist by then, Simon. They can name it the Simon Leung Centre, basically, for excellence for uh-huh. badminton. Uh, I mean, gosh, it's, it's exciting times for badminton moving forward after this one little, uh, you know, viral moment from the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, obviously, yeah, it's congrats to Brisbane, you know, taking out that 2032 hosting for the Olympic Games. You know, it's it's massive and, um, you know, it can't get any better than having the Olympics in your backyard, you know. So, um, you know, whether whether will be a part of it as an athlete, that's a, that's a very big call. 2032, you know, I'll be like 35. You're still young. Man. Come on. Um, <laughs> it's only 11 years away. <laughs> only yeah look, it's only like, i'm still thinking about paris in three years time so <laughs> 11 years um that's a that's a long way to go still but you know like look at andrew of, hoy he was 62 <laughs> and he's still winning medals like i mean you're yeah. not even you wouldn't even be halfway there basically by the time you get to Brisbane. we're just past halfway so you've got another 30 40 years in you easily come on look Hands down for him, man. Like, God damn it. Like, I have, I'm speechless for what he has done, man. Like, yeah. for him to be going to the Olympics at that age and winning medals like that, like, I'm going to straight up say I'm never going to be able to do that. <laughs> <I'm kind laughs> never say never, Simon. Come on. You'll be playing this interview once again in, like, the, the 2046 Olympics or whatever we're up to <laughs> oh by then. God. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a bit carried away now. <laughs> Let's bring it back a little bit. Let's bring it back a little bit. Um, no, like, yeah, like I said, whether I'm, I'm participating at the Olympics for 2032 in Brisbane or not, you know, I think I see myself being there even as a spectator, you know, um, just being there supporting, I guess, you know, the juniors that that's obviously come up and made Olympics, you know, um, I guess, you know, it's, it's a good environment, you know, like obviously I've got a lot of friends here that, that was going to go over Tokyo to watch Olympics as well. So it's, it's obviously a shame. Um, so obviously going to the 32 Olympics in Brisbane with everyone would be amazing, you know, um, literally in your backyard, you can just, yeah, hundred percent. And not only that, you know, just like you say, you know, it's, it's in my backyard, you know, mm. it, it, can, it can't be bad, you know, like Brisbane's such a lovely place. Um, you know, it, it's a place where I think I encourage everyone to come and visit Brisbane. Um, it's, yeah, it's a nice place. I think 
It's nice here. You got lovely weather here. I'm sure you would know. Um, the sun is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, coming from Tasmania, I will say your winters uh, are very interesting. I do love <laughs> the the fact that uh, it gets below 20 degrees and you guys are complaining it's cold. Um, hey, uh, I'm not complaining. I, I've never complained <laughs> that below 20 is cold, okay? I, I don't mind the winter here. It's not that bad. Well, it's technically a Winter Olympics. As we keep saying, the Brisbane 2032 Olympics are a Winter Olympics. They're yeah. held in Australia's winter. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Australia's only chance of ever hosting a, a Winter Olympics, basically. I mean, yeah. obviously you mentioned not sure about Paris, but, I mean, are there short-term goals? Obviously we'd say a Commonwealth Games less than a year away, kind of in this unique sort of period we're in with the Olympics being a bit out of cycle. I mean, do you set yourself a goal to those or is it kind of you're just still kind of working out what the, the goals are between now and if you do push towards a Paris tilt? Yeah, uh, 100% Commonwealth Games next year in Birmingham. Um I never got to play Commonwealth Games. That's probably one of the big things, one of the last things um, that I guess haven't been part of. Um, my last rep team I haven't been part of. Um, so, yeah, um, Commonwealth Games is definitely on the books for me to to be a part of. And, yeah, it's, you know, being in Birmingham as well, it's, it's a place I always wanted to go to as well. So, I guess to, to be there for the Com Games is um, definitely something to look forward to um it's yeah and obviously i want to do world as well you know being the commonwealth games you know um hopefully i'll do well enough and maybe hopefully you know win a medal at the com games you know um because it's very achievable isn't it like it's sort of given that you're not having china indonesia you know denmark korea sort of the 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 powerhouses there it's kind of i can imagine for an australian on like a world scene where you know, it'd be great if you can get a medal at some of these. It's a little bit, I guess, more realistic at a Commonwealth yeah. Games, isn't it? Yeah, no, it definitely is. And it's a lot easier, but not easy at the same time, you know, because obviously you still got uh, you still got the greats of India. You mm-hmm. still got the greats of um, Great Britain, you know, and you still got um, powerhouses like Singapore and stuff. Um, they're, you know, they're still very great, um, strong, you know, in their own disciplines, you know. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not easy still. Um, but obviously it, the goal to winning a medal is obviously a lot closer and a lot doable, a lot more doable, you know, but it's still very hard. You know, there's still so many, so many great pairs out there. Um, even not even from Great Britain, not from India, not from Singapore, you know, there's still amazing sort of players out there who are very good and it's still a fight. You still got to work hard for it. You still got to train very hard for it. Um, you still got to compete and, um, perform to the best you can and perform at a high level. Um, Because, you know, otherwise you're not going to win it no matter how, you know, how well, how great, you know, even when there's no one there, no great players, you know, you still got to do well because if you still play crap, you're still going to be losing to players you shouldn't be losing to. So, Well, I'm seeing here that Australia has not won a gold at the Commonwealth Games since 1994 when Lisa Campbell won the women's singles. And prior to that, you've got to go back to 86 uh, in the mixed doubles, your event, uh, where, and I'm probably going to butcher the names here, Michael Scandalera and Audrey Tucky won that. So uh, bring break the drought next year, Simon. You and Gronje are going to hashtag break the drought for a gold medal in the sport of badminton for Australia at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, look, it'll definitely be uh, a goal of ours. Um, definitely something that we want to achieve as well. Uh, I mean, just a gold medal in general, you know, just winning something, you know, like, there's no better feeling than winning, um, let alone, you know, a Commonwealth Games gold medal. Um, and I'm sure, like, you know, if that ever happens, you know, if that day does come, you know, 
um, obviously I'll make myself very proud and obviously a lot of family and um, a lot of friends. It's got to be the English. I'm seeing here that the mixed doubles has only ever been won by English pairs uh, and outside of that, the Malaysian pair won it in 2010 and then a Hong Kong pair won it in 1990. So uh, it's always England. Bugger them in their home Commonwealth Games. Uh, Chris and Gabby Adcock, no, you're not allowed to uh, to win any more gold. It's it's Simon and Gronje's turn in Birmingham in 2022. Oh, we'll put it this way. They're retired now. So Oh, well, there you go. It's opened up the door uh, for you. Simple. They've still got like another very strong pair who's in the top 10, I think, at the moment from England. So... The very their quality side as well, you know. They're so, England. They'll choke. Come on, like, <laughs> they're in their home. What they they're, do. It's home for them, you know. They they got all the pressure on them, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. And you know, they're just they're just going to choke. Let's be honest. They're, they're, they've lost all the funding since London. They didn't win as many gold in in Tokyo yeah. as they did in Rio. So yeah. it's uh it's going downhill now. Before we sort of wrap it up, Simon, uh, with our final set of uh, questions, kind of a bit of a, a get to know you sort of, I mean, outside of badminton, you've talked about sort of your, your work that you're doing. I mean, kind of, uh, you know, is there kind of career goals kind of looking like, are we going to be a career security guard? Are we going to see you maybe a security guard at the Brisbane Olympics? Is that kind of what you're working towards? If you can't compete that uh, you could be on the, on the opening ceremony telling people, no, you can't sit there. Um, no. So um, obviously, I study. Um, I'm studying business at the moment in sports management. I did a bit of finance as well, um, but I'm actually currently in the process of trying to get into the police force here. Right. So, um, police in Brisbane, 2032. There you go. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Obviously, if that all goes well, you know, um, I'll be part of the police force, Queensland Police Force. Um, if it doesn't. Commissioner Simon Leong by 2032. How's that sound? That's a big <laughs> You're making very big calls here this morning. <laughs> what we do on the show, we're, we're, we're big thinkers. You wow. know, we push it out there. <laughs> yeah, so obviously if that doesn't happen, um, I think I'll be going back towards business, doing something in business um, or maybe a bit of finance sort of side, banking sort of side, you know. Um, it's, yeah, but I guess the police force was something I – Kind of wanted to always because I wanted always to join the defense force um, in a couple of years ago, but obviously with badminton that was never going to happen. So I guess now um, I guess the opportunity kind of came, and I guess oh, I might as well take a chance to give it a go. Sounds good to me. That's all you can do, right? Give it yeah. a go and see sort of where it takes you. Now, as always, Simon, we, we wrap up every interview with a set of uh, sort of get-to-know-you-style questions now. As we always say in this, it's based off a Team Canada questionnaire they gave their athletes ahead of uh, both Rio and Pyeongchang. We, we often like to get an athlete from the same sport uh, and quiz that. Sadly, at least not on their website, there is no badminton athletes from Canada that they put this towards. So I've gone with a beach volleyball player, Heather Bands. I thought there's a net involved. So it's the closest I could come really yeah. to something along those lines. And as always too, if you want some extra homework, there's a drawing element. You are always welcome to send in drawings and we will publish them on our social media. You don't have to, but uh, I will say the first drawing, if you want to draw a picture of yourself and send it to us, we will post it on social media. I don't know how your artistic skills are, but you know, putting on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if I drew a, a picture of me, it'll look very good. Good. Uh, it might look a bit better than what I look, but you know, hope, <laughs> hopefully, just, uh, 
<laughs> the, the real the real me is a bit better than a picture of me. So. <laughs> well, we look forward to uh, seeing it. Now, first question. Again, you're always allowed to answer your own if you want to, but your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Um, stepping out on court on that first day of my first match. Um, just the feeling of, wow, I'm actually competing and here at the Olympics now. Um, Beautiful. It's definitely a dream come true. Works great. Uh, the best candy in the world is? Oh, the best candy in the world. Hmm. Oh, that's t- can I pass? I actually can't think you, of it. If you want to, we can always come back. Or if you're not a candy eater, you know, there's there's no rules in this segment, really, you know. Hence why I'm asking the word candy and not Australianizing it into the word lolly. You know, I'm, I'm literally reading off a Canadian questionnaire. So, uh, your favourite sandwich? Is this how's this one? Uh, if it's if it's a toasty, I'll definitely can't get away with ham, cheese, and tomato. Oh yeah, good choice, good answer. And I always like to find out: is there a specific bread that you go with, or are you just whatever's available? Um, I'm not too fuss, honestly. Um, I try to be healthy sometimes, and sometimes. You know, Yep. <laughs> I'm a very good athlete. You know, I try to keep my diet very well. But um, you're an Olympian. That's what we all expect. Well, that's right? it, 100%. You know, as yeah. an Olympian, you should be setting good, being good role models, you know, towards, you know, younger players and stuff. Just so, ignore yeah. Simon at McDonald's. I try to do if my If you part. see him, he's not at McDonald's. That's a, it's a different oh, place. No. <laughs> that, that's a cheat meal for me. You know, Macca's is a cheat meal for me. You know, I don't, I don't eat that. Which we keep learning about the disappointment that obviously no longer a sponsor of the Olympics, so they're not at the Olympic Village, right? I was right? so sad, I'm not going to lie to you. When yeah. I heard Macca's was not a sponsor at the Olympics, I was like, that's it, I'm depressed. Now I'm going to go cry for the like next like. <laughs> Do I even want to go anymore? Like- uh, I know, right? Like I was, lit- <laughs> I was looking forward to going after I finished and just going like the biggest like Macca's order I could ever do and <laughs> do once. Yep. Like... No. I'm talking about like a massive order, but obviously Thanks, that McDonald's. Come on. Yeah. We're saying hashtag bring back Maccas for, for Paris in, in 2024. Um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? <laughs> in my spare time, um, sleep. Because obviously sleep. I don't get enough sleep. Um, but I think just hang out with friends. Um, and I guess, yeah, hang out with friends. Um, watch a bit of Netflix movies. Just relax, I guess. Have a bit of my me time. And I guess talk to people, I guess, who are good to talk to. Yeah, that, that's always a start. Don't want to chat to these, you know, people People like me. You don't want to chat to these. You're like, what's going oh, on? Oh, no, don't say that. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't want to, I wouldn't be here today, right? So True. Yeah, we'll just um, ignore the fact that, you know, we just force you basically to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favourite sports movie is? Sports movie? Hmm. Ooh. Sports movie. I'm trying to think of a sports movie. Sports movie, sports movie. I'll say that uh, the athlete we've he- chosen here, Heather Bansley, has answered Space Jam. Space Jam? Hmm. I feel like I've never even heard of that. Has that never heard of spa- you've never heard of Space Jam, Simon. Am Come on. Michael Jordan playing basketball against the Looney Tunes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I got you, I got you, I got you. I was trying to say, you were born the year it came out. I can, yeah, but like still, like it's an iconic movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Sports, sports. 
sports movie. Is there a badminton movie, or is there a movie where oh, people play badminton? Right, look, it's this is very this is very embarrassing to say, but there is actually a um, I don't want to call it like a. I don't know. Is it an anime? I don't know. It's not an anime or anything, but it's like there's some shows, some like series thing, right? It's on Netflix. Um, I actually can't remember what what it's called, but it's a Korean. Oh, is it a Korean thing? No, it's not a Korean thing. Um, but uh, there's something on Netflix. It's it's about Bams. It's a show. It's like series about Bams and wow. and it's very cringe as well. Okay. Because but it's animated. Time. It's an animated badminton yeah, show. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it is animated, yeah. Wow. It's very cringe. Like, the way that they do things, like, I guess, the way that they, I guess, go and hit, like, a specific shot or whatever. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, when you, when I watched it, I was like, no, this is very cringe. <laughs> like, I can't watch this whatsoever. Um, and I think they, they also got in, like, I think they had, like, one or two, like, really good actual badminton players, I think, to be a part of it. I don't know if it's legit or not, but that's what I've heard because I didn't even make it past halfway through the first episode because it was <laughs> that bad, that embarrassing, that cringe. I just couldn't. Like, wow. it was giving me goosebumps. Like, I'm going to search for it now. I need to see it. Yeah, this, no, you should have a look at it. It's really, uh, it's bad. I always, I always like, um, you know, when there's not an obvious one and sort of ask that question if there's some sort of, you know, media around a certain sport. I always then try and relate it back to James Bond because James Bond has played so many different sports across the movies, but sadly he's not done badminton yet. So uh, yeah. one day maybe. One I don't day. Know how... we'll, we'll wait for it. I'll definitely watch it though. Yeah, exactly. You know, Daniel Craig or whoever the next Bond is kind of playing yeah. badminton, we'll, uh, we'll watch that. Now the, the next one here for a drawing, if you want to, Simon, draw a picture of a Canadian animal. Uh, uh, just seeing Heather's drawn a picture of a polar bear in a snowstorm. Just a white box. Quite funny, that one. Uh, as a kid, your favourite sports team were? Like just any sports team? Any sports team, yeah. Um, well, I've always liked watching soccer. So until this day, um, I'm still obviously a fan of these teams. Um, they're obviously the best teams in the world as well. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, uh, Chelsea from the Premier League. Okay. And, um Barcelona from the um, Spanish league, so right. Always the and best. You are raw man power. then, being a Brisbane boy. You get on board the raw, or Uh actually, I do. Like if I if I did ever watch the, like A League, you know, like I think Brizzy Raws will probably be the team I'll um, kind of support. You know, um, but I guess if we talk about, I guess our own sport here in Australia, you know, rugby league. You know, um, Brisbane Broncos and Melbourne Storms have always been my team, so. Well, Melbourne Storm are basically what Brisbane, basically, Queensland Junior, right? Yeah, so, you're not wrong. You know, basically, yeah. <laughs> and then state of origin is it just kind of a case of you just get absolutely? I mean, one of my highlights of living in Brisbane is I went to an Origin game, and it's just one of the most insane atmospheres I've ever been. It's amazing, in right? It's incredible. It is amazing. Yeah, I've been to one as well, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah, and this was a, it was a dead rubber, I believe. I think New South Wales had already won it, so it was game three, but they're still. 50-odd thousand at Suncorp, you know, yeah. Queensland win. It was just – it was rabid. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um, you're, you you mentioned before you don't like training, so I'm intrigued for this one. Your favourite workout is? My favourite workout? Oh, mm. no. You can say none if there's none of them. <laughs> oh, no. I can't say that. I <laughs> did uh, favourite workout. Um, I reckon – Squats and deadlifts will probably be some of the ones I like probably the okay. most. Um, okay. When I can, and when I'm actually in a decent form where I can lift 
decent weight. <laughs> yeah. And not, and like not having like taken a break and come back and feeling weak. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, helps. Generally so yeah, helps. Yeah, hit like my own like goals, like my own weight that I've normally lifted. Um, yeah, I guess squats and deadlifts are probably some of my favorite ones I like to do in the gym. That's good. All right. Motivatable. Motivationing right there. That's not even a word. I know what I'm talking about. Move on. Um, I know what you're talking about. Thank you. Thank you. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? If I could live anywhere in the world, where would I be? Hmm. Oh. I don't know. I think it's a tough one. Like, I'll definitely live in Asia just for the food, but that would be yep. the only reason I live there. Um. But I guess I've always wanted to be in Europe as well. Okay. Um, I guess Europe have always been a place I guess wanted to visit. Um, and Paris I've always 2024, thought you've got an excuse. Well. Birmingham, you've got an excuse, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. Europe, I think Europe maybe um, is probably a place I would live if I had a, like a choice to choose where I want to live. Perfect, perfect. Next drawing here. What the cool? What the? What would the coolest Olympic medal look like? And Heather's drawn a picture of a stick figure and says Olympic medal around my neck. So, yeah, that I reckon mine would be. Um, I reckon mine would be me wearing my Olympic medal with a face with my face on that Olympic medal. Yeah. Hey, that I mean again, Brisbane twenty thirty two. Plenty of time to put your name out there enough that they would kind of do that. So. <laughs> You know, plenty of time. Yeah. Um, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? If I had lunch with any one person, who would it be? Mm. As of right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, probably someone who I guess is important. Um. They don't. Uh, they don't actually live here as well in Oz. So, um, I guess having lunch with them would be really nice. Um, yeah, and I guess just being able to spend time as well. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, she lives in she lives in um Ireland. So. Oh right. So this is a special special someone potentially. Oh, 100%, 100%. Okay. All right. Don't want to name drop anything today. Or? Name drop. Uh, you can um, say a name. I, uh, she might listen. Uh, I don't know. We've got a big <laughs> listenership in Ireland, surely. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe there's a bit of mutuals out there who listen to this as well. <laughs> um, sure. Um, her name's um, Natalie. So okay. Shout out to Natalie. Shout out to Natalie, our number one Irish fan, at least until you know now so yeah. i like that like i kind of like that and there you go you can yeah. uh when you're in birmingham it's not that far to ireland it's just over the oh, water yeah so just uh, great grateful for everything she's done as well so perfect all right if yeah. you could choose any olympic host city where would it be <laughs> brisbane <laughs> brisbane hey <laughs> It's 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 on the it's on the card, so it kinda, oh, I, it know, okay. I guess that's not a valid answer because it's already here. Um, I would I would like to say Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but I know it's probably fairly hard to do it. But um, only because you know um, I've got a lot of family there, and obviously that's home to me as well. Um, and just knowing that if it's there, you know I could eat so many good foods, so much <laughs> of it, like. 
I know. It's all about the food. <laughs> I'm just there for the food, honestly. But always, guess, as you should be. Come on. Yeah. That's, and I guess you know, having family, you know, there as well, and friends, you know, will be, you know, if I got the chance to compete there, um, just having everyone there, you know, it would just be amazing, you know, like all my family, all my friends, um, and then you know, yeah, it would just be amazing, really. It works. I like that. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, any superpower. Oh. Um, I think either I'd be able to time travel mm-hmm. or if, or a certain power where I could move things that have happened in the past already and be able to take guess, put it like, make it happen earlier like ah, okay. like you know like move it even further back you know what i mean i like that that's like, a unique one i've never heard that before that works yeah, like for example for example like you know something that's happened i guess the last couple months mm-hmm. but obviously you know it only happened last couple of months but you would love to have had had that you know happen you know a couple of years ago you know let's that's growing that. experience a little yeah. bit more. And, you know, it'll yeah. be cool to be able to like move things around and, you know, and obviously time travel back, you know, and relive that moment. That's really good. Whatever that's happened. really deep. I mean, like, that'll yeah. be cool. You know, I guess get a dude. I like it. You're coming up with these new ones, Simon. I, I appreciate yeah. it. So I try it to works. be very, I try to imagine these things, you know, I'm trying hey. to be creative here. I know. Good. That's what we like. We like the creativity on this show. Yeah. It kind of, uh, it kind I of try. works well. You try, you've tried very well. I like Thank it. You. Simon, before we let you go, if people want to kind of stay up to date with what you're doing, follow the journey ahead of the next Olympics, Commonwealth Games, wherever it may take you, can where can they find you on social media? Um, so I'm on um, Instagram, um, obviously. Um, obviously, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Snap- uh, Snapchat. Who uses Snapchat? Um, Instagram. <laughs> um, and I'm on Facebook as well. So uh, my, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to like drop Instagram name. Go for here. it. Absolutely. Of course uh, you can. Um, but yeah, my Instagram name is um, simon.leung96. Um, yeah. Hit that like follow button. Watch the follow button. Hit Get that the follow button. Followers. Give me another <laughs> like to my collection of likes of I don't know what I'm on, but I wouldn't say no to an extra like on my page. So There you go. I can see right now the time of recording this uh, just over 1,500. So let's get you to 2,000. Uh, you know, because uh, of this interview, what do you reckon? I reckon that's good. Um, and I'll definitely give you a shout out as well for helping. Hey, me. look. There's some honours that you've had this year. You've been on the Sydney Opera House, but right now being on off the podium trumps that, doesn't it? Come on. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. what, what a way to, you know, end it all, you know, Opera House and then, you know, being on on this podcast at the moment. So Perfect, perfect roundabout way to kind of uh, bring your year to a close, essentially. Simon, mate, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you, to learn about the journey, the Olympic experiences, and badminton in general because it is a, it is a great sport which uh, I always enjoy watching. But uh, very much appreciate your time here on uh, Off the Podium and uh, thanks very much for chatting with me today. No, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's definitely um, a big privilege to be on here, so very grateful. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you.
And a massive, massive thanks to Simon for his time, learning so much there about uh, the sport and uh, Olympic experiences as well. And great to see that athletes who do compete on day one can still go to the opening ceremony. Again, it's kind of living up to that thought that if I ever was an Olympian, let's be honest, the boat's gone, but uh, I, I would force myself to experience that. You know, who cares if I get an hour's sleep? I want to experience an opening ceremony. So uh, I respect Simon a great deal that he was able to do that and still go back, compete the next day and take a set off the world number four. Why not? That, uh, that works perfectly. But Simon, appreciate your time, mate. Great chat here on Off The Podium. And if you want to stay up to date with all the other great chats that we do have upcoming for you or the ones that we've just had and maybe you want to go back and re-listen to some of them as well, hit us up on all the good podcasting networks, Off The Podium, search for us on there, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show while you're there. And of course, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search for Off The Podium, mash the like, the follow, whatever button it is on whichever social media platform you're using and stay up to date with all the progress of the show. Send us a message. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And as always, suggest a guest, suggest an episode. We'd like to hear your thoughts on kind of what you'd like to hear us talk about here on the show. Big thanks again to Simon. Big thanks to you for listening. My name is Ben. This is Off The Podium. And as always, go left. Go left.